What's going on guys? Welcome into today's show. I wanted to answer a common question that many investors often ask or have to think about when it comes to the strategy behind when and why you would consider selling your investments. And I'm going to use this in the context specifically of real estate because that has been my arena of active investing and playing the game of wealth building to continue to grow and using my active skills, using my active time, using my active energy with my team to continue to build and create something larger. Many people are of the mindset that depending on whether or not you are looking to be very passive or you are somebody that is ultimately looking to play the game at a high level. And when I say passive, I consider and equate that to more of the metaphor of somebody playing checkers, still playing a game, but less complicated, um, less strategic, but still certain basic activities for how you're going to win when it comes to playing checkers. And then there is more of the active and strategic and expert approach when it comes to building and growing a large real estate portfolio that you're going to be playing chess with. And this is using all of the pieces in your portfolio to achieve a goal and an outcome of winning, whatever that looks like for you. And checkers is more so for the people that just have a very simple model, they acquire, they optimize, and they sit and hold forever. Whereas the game of chess is going to be more equated to the active real estate investor who is consistently looking to buy low, sell high, and rinse and repeat that process over and over and climb into higher asset classes. Because one of the common questions that I often get asked is, well, why did you sell that one hotel of yours? And many of you know I've sold multiple of my hotels. And there was a variety of reasons. And I'm going to share with you a story that changed my perspective on going from checkers and just buying properties and holding them forever and playing the game of chess, buying properties, optimizing and maximizing them to the peak potential of them, and then cashing in on those and exchanging up. And so I'll share a little bit more around my reasons that I think about and consider when playing my game of chess and real estate. But you can also think about some of the various reasons that you may want to either hold and or liquidate assets based on the game you're playing, whether that's commercial, whether that is single family, whether that is your investment you know, stock portfolio, whether that's a business. There are models that are going to be specifically aligned and more advantageous based on what your goals and desired outcomes are. And there are going to be other models that maybe aren't. And so there's not a right or a wrong answer here. This is more a game of strategy and psychology around what applies to you and maybe some things that you want to consider as a wise investor to get to the level of income and cash flow and equity and net worth and freedom that you're looking for. And it really all started for me, and I'll answer why I sold one of my hotels 
um, here recently this last year. And it all began with this one conversation that I had. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. It was about seven or eight years ago that a friend and a, and a peer and a mentor of mine in um, the business and real estate world, his stepfather was a very, very, and is a very, very large real estate, commercial real estate investor and asset holder in the San Francisco Bay Area. And we were on his yacht and we were doing kind of a fireside you know, roundtable mastermind discussion where he was the guy that we were getting to ask questions and, you know, hear his story, his strategy, and everything that he has built and accumulated. And he's probably in his late 70s, net worth in the $900 million range. And the crazy thing is, it all started from one property that he won in a poker game back in the 70s in Silicon Valley. And the story is wild, and I'll save you know, some of the details for the sake of time. But to get to the point, it's, I think, important to understand the process and the timeline that went into this guy building the net worth, the cash flow that we now see today. And the fact that he traces that lineage back to a fourplex was very interesting to me. And he shared why he began and was able to get on this path and journey of creating real wealth. And essentially, what he did was the swap till you drop strategy. He has been 1031 exchanging his equity that he creates in these properties that he buys and using that equity to exchange up as a down payment into larger properties. And he continues to do that over and over and over again, strategically when the market presents the right opportunity to maximize the exchange. And this was something that really was intriguing to me from the perspective of he 
began with a very simple fourplex in Silicon Valley. Mind you, the market tied into the fact that obviously everybody knows what happened with Bay Area real estate over the last 30, 40 years, right? He was an individual that had a very simple strategy, which was every time my equity got significantly larger and my cash flow was capped and my returns on that equity got below a certain threshold, I knew it was time to exchange that equity into a larger asset that had equal or greater cash flow that I was getting, but also had optimization and upside and value that I could create and rinsing and repeating that model. And he did it on a fourplex, and then he went and did it on an 18-unit multifamily, and then he went and bought his first commercial asset, and then he went and bought a bigger commercial asset. And literally, as we were riding under the Golden Gate Bridge, the sun is setting, and he goes, you see that building over there? And he was pointing at, essentially, a very large skyscraper building He said, I just bought that building for $400 million two weeks ago. And that one building is tied to the very first fourplex that I ever bought. 1031 exchanging all the way up into a $400 million asset. Now, as we started to pepper him with questions and understand more of his psychology, he said, look, There's not a right or a wrong answer here in terms of what the right strategy is for you because my goals, my situation, and my timeline may be way different. He said, I had a lot of people, a lot of friends, a lot of peers that started investing when I did, and my net worth is a lot greater than many of theirs. And the main difference, he said, was most of those people bought and held forever and didn't optimize along the way. And it made me think of the first property. One of the first properties I ever bought was a $75,000 property in Oak Park in Sacramento, which is not the greatest area, uh, not the worst area, but I bought it for $75,000. And four years later, that property was worth $350,000. And that property that I bought for $75,000 was really only bringing in about $1,200 a month in, in positive cash flow. So that was a little less than, let's say, 15 grand a year. But I had now a pretty good chunk of equity in this property that was around $250,000. And when you look at running the numbers on $15,000 a year divided by $250,000 in equity, that's a 6% return on that equity. And I started to go, hmm, I think I can get a better return than 6% if I were to put that 250 into another real estate property that allows me to get into maybe a little bit bigger of an asset now that I've got a bigger down payment that I can put down. And with the active skills and energy that I'm going to put into optimizing this asset and optimizing the income and optimizing the value, I can not only create a better return in cash flow on that equity, but I can also create a bigger potential upside in value and create more equity in the process. And this is essentially what he was explaining he did for four decades over and over and over again. 
he looked at his return on equity as one of the main drivers for when it was time to signal the potential for reinvestment or expansion opportunities within his real estate portfolio. Return on equity is a critical financial metric that many investors actually overlook. They're looking at cash on cash returns or IRR, right? There's a lot of various metrics out there, but his main driver that he looked at was how much equity do I have in this property and how much cash flow is it generating for me? And if that was below a certain threshold, his was, I think, seven and a half percent. You know, mine is, if I can get anything below 8%, I know I can probably find something that creates me a higher, you know, cash on cash return than 8%. So depending on what your return on equity metric is, what I'm saying is he knew what his threshold was. And every time his equity and that return on that equity dropped below the threshold that was his triggering event, he knew that it was time to start looking at swapping into a larger asset through a 1031 exchange, deferring those taxes, kicking that can down the road. But now all of a sudden, he was playing in a much larger asset with much greater cash flow and return opportunity, in addition to the fact that the assets that he was buying through optimization, he was forcing through value add, forcing equity into these properties and creating more equity that again would tie into that return on equity equation that he was looking at to be a decision-making driver for when it was time to maybe look at buying into things that were larger. And so when somebody asked me, you know, why did I sell one of my hotels? Well, when I looked back at the lineage of that hotel, that down payment money and a lot of the money I used to put into one of those hotels was from that first $75,000 property. And if I would have never decided to exchange up into a larger property and then exchange up into the hotel property, I would have never had that opportunity. I would have been stuck making $1,200 a month. Mind you, that asset would have been paid down significantly. I would have had more equity, right? And depending on somebody's risk tolerance and profile and what their strategy and timeline is for their cash flow and their net worth growth, maybe you sit and you stay in those properties forever. But I knew I had a much more aggressive growth plan. And therefore, this became a very plausible strategy that aligned with helping me get there. And it allowed me by assessing all of the properties I had in my portfolio and realizing that I had some great equity that I built up in many of my single family houses, but the cash flow was kind of capped. I couldn't do a whole lot, right? You can only increase the cash flow on a property so much year over year. But because there was such a big chunk of growth in terms of equity, I was able to start being strategic with how I use that equity growth to be a down payment on another asset that I could rinse and repeat that same process. And that's what led me into one of my hotels. And what I realized that the equity that I had forced into my hotel, the cash flow was relatively capped. I knew that I wanted to go bigger and scale into larger assets. I felt like it was a good time to take some chips off the table, even with some you know, potential upside. I knew that with occupancy percentage and ADR, average daily rate, you know, starting to drop a little bit, revenue was plateauing a little bit, 
you know, cap rates were starting to soften based on the market, but I still had a massive chunk of equity in this hotel. And I also felt like there was opportunity coming around the corner. If you guys have been hearing me talk, right? I think that this will be the next few years, one of the greatest commercial buying opportunities of anyone's lifetime, let alone what we've seen in, you know, recent past. And I was looking at my return on equity dropping below 7% and going, man, if I took this chunk of money and exchange it into another asset, do I think I can get better than 7% on that equity? And the answer was yes. And hence, that is what drove me to selling that hotel. And I ended up exchanging that. Uh, it was about $1.7 million of equity that went into the down payment on a medical office building that I bought that is now going to be relatively triple net. It's a modified triple net. So very passive, you know, essentially for the most part. And that's going to net $170,000 a year. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Our sponsor today is Uplift Desk, creators of the best office furniture designed to help you work better and live healthier. You can visit upliftdesk.com and use the code MINDCAST for 5% off your order. And if you sit all day long while you're at work and you've never tried a desk that can transition between sitting and standing, you got to. It'll be a complete game changer. My standing desk is by Uplift Desk. It's what I use every day to record the show, prepare the show, do all my office work. And I got to say, the transition from sitting all day to standing while I work at various times throughout the day has really made a noticeable difference for me. When I'm standing, I notice I'm way more focused and productive. I'm way more alert. And I even have a little standing treadmill under my desk now, which allows me to get some extra steps in while still plugging away on calls and getting work done. Keeps the blood flowing throughout the day, which obviously can reduce all types of different health risks and repetitive strain. And I've noticed that my posture has drastically improved since switching to an uplift desk as well because I'm not hunched over the computer all day. And while there's a lot of options out there for you to choose from, the reason I chose uplift desk is because of the quality. It doesn't wobble, it's completely stable, it's built to last. You can definitely tell based on the materials they use and they are customizable too, which is really cool. They let you build your custom dream desk by choosing over a hundred desktop choices and hundreds of accessories that you can build into the desk for your own perfect workspace. And you can do that by using the really fun to use desk configurator. And once you have your desk all designed and picked out, you order it, they ship it the same day, you get free shipping, they do free returns with free return shipping if something goes wrong. And the best part is they have an industry leading 15 year warranty that covers the complete desk, which was a really big deal for me. It shows that they stand behind their product for at least 15 years. So to get yours, go to upliftdesk.com and use the code MINDCAST for 5% off your order. That's U-P-L-I-F-T desk.com to get 5% off your entire order with the promo code MINDCAST. That is a significantly more aligned return with what I'm looking for with my equity. And I exchanged out of a very highly intensive asset on the hotel side into a very passive triple net asset and significantly increased my cash flow on it. So it was a very good overall win-win that again, tied into my investment strategy, my plan, my timeline that I wanted to get there. But if I would have just sat in that asset 
right? I wouldn't have had that opportunity to buy into something bigger, to get more cash flow, and to potentially create more value and upside in a value-add opportunity as well. And this is the importance of tracking ROE for real estate investors or just any investors in general. Number one is it's an efficiency indicator of ROE demonstrates how efficiently an investor's equity is being used to generate income from the asset. A higher ROE indicates a more efficient use of your invested equity. But if you start to get a much lower return on equity, you can start to think about and question and ask if there's ways to drive right more ROI on what that equity sitting in there is looking like, or it can start to get you thinking about and asking questions about maybe alternative plans or options or notifying you, hey, it's time, right? Comparative analysis. This also allows you to compare the performance of various commercial real estate investments by evaluating that return on equity. You can identify which properties are yielding the best returns right? And which ones may be the dogs in your portfolio that you want to top grade. And that's ultimately what I did. I went through my portfolio and said, man, these are all below a certain threshold of what I want to see in terms of return. And based on this equity, do I think I can get better than that? It might be time to top grade my portfolio and trade out of those and trade up into something a little bit more opportunistic. The other thing that is important for tracking return on equity is you know, leverage decisions. Monitoring return on equity can help investors make informed decisions about leveraging potentially additional debt, right? And also, like I mentioned earlier with uh, this individual who has amassed a $900 million net worth with just this one strategy was it's a growth strategy. High ROE can signal the potential for reinvestment or expansion opportunities within your real estate portfolio. And this was a main metric that he focused on. And the insights that you can gain from return on equity, right, is just, like I said, effectiveness of that equity. Is it generating the profits and the returns that it could be if it were planted or aligned with another asset? Is there things that you can be doing to optimize that return by staying in it? The efficiency against other investments, right, can guide you in terms of portfolio optimization or diversification and opportunities for strategic financial structuring is another way that ROE can come into play, which is a little bit more advanced when we're talking about debt management and reinvestment strategies. But that being said, right, ROE is something that I look at every single year because here's the thing, your equity, you know, I had a lot more equity in my assets. Uh, two or three years ago than maybe I do today because of what's happened with the market. So understanding that your equity may shift based on systemic risks and factors and or things outside of your control where we're at in the economic cycle. But those are things that you want to be paying attention to because I felt like, going back to the hotel, that yes, could there be a little bit more upside in cash flow? Or could there be a little bit more upside in the value? Yeah, sure. But I felt like I'd squeezed about 90% of it out of it. And that I could take that and exchange it into another asset that I can go and do that same thing on and drive the net operating income up on and create better cash flow, more stability, 
through a cap rate valuation, maximize the equity in that deal, and rinse and repeat that once I get to that time uh, in that particular asset into a larger deal. So this is a really good way of doing this. Whether you're an active investor or even a passive investor, just paying attention to your equity in particular assets and what kind of cash flow and return you're getting on that equity is a great metric to pay attention to. And some of the wisest investors I know often drive a lot of their decisions based on that. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. I know some people that have single family properties that have appreciated significantly and they've got four, five, six hundred thousand dollars in equity and they're making like three or four percent returns. I mean, you're better off taking that equity and going and throwing it in a, a T bill, going and taking that equity and, you know, throwing it into something that is way more passive with less risk to make three percent. Right. So thinking about your own investments, whether it's stuff that you have now or in the future, looking at ROE as a driver for helping you strategically grow your income and your wealth along the way. Now, the equation is very simple. Some people like to use net operating income. I like to use cash flow after debt service because cash flow after debt service divided by the equity that you have in the property is going to give you a better idea of what you're really taking home at the end of the day because net operating income you still have to pay your mortgage or your debt, you know, service on that. So, I like to take the cash flow after debt service, divide that by the equity and that tells you essentially the annual return you're getting on the equity that you have in the property. And if it's below, I would say 8%, 7% you're really going to want to scrutinize and take a look at what can I do with that equity if I put that down on another property and what kind of cash flow return could I get on that? So those are just some great ways for regular evaluation on your ROE to help drive some investing decisions, strategically manage your portfolio, enhance the efficiency of your equity in those investments, and ultimately just to make 
<coughs> informed decisions that drive wealth and income growth over time. So hopefully that was helpful for you, being that if you've got investments in a portfolio, you can go and do this simple formula within seconds and find which properties you may want to consider trading up or trading in, right? Which ones you want to hold on to because they're performing really, really well. And it allows you to play the game of chess with your investments instead of the game of checkers. I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer here. You're in the game of wealth building either way, but one may have not only bigger upside, but also allow you to accelerate getting there faster instead of just sitting and holding forever. You can't go wrong sitting and holding on assets forever, but you can leave a lot of potential upside, cash flow, and opportunity on the table. But again, that might require a little bit more active management. That might require a little bit more risk associated with it. So again, it all comes back to each individual's plan, where you're at in life, what you're trying to unlock next, and when you want to get there by. So hopefully this was helpful. Again, don't forget to check out all the great stuff that we got available for you guys at MillionaireMindcast.com. The Wise Investor Collective is officially launched. The Mastermind has been sold out, but we got the Foundations course and community that is going to be opening up for anybody that wants to understand how to buy one commercial real estate asset a year that nets you 50K a year and that you can do those once a year for the next five years and unlock that $250,000 in income. This is what our community is focused on in creating education, creating support, and ultimately creating network for people that are actively pursuing commercial real estate as a vehicle for financial freedom. So be sure to check that out. And of course, if you guys enjoy the show, if there's any investing tips, any little things that tweak your mindset, equip you to be a little bit more dangerous, a little bit more weaponized, more tools on your tool belt. If there's any value that you gain from the show, the only thing that I ask is that you leave a review and you share the podcast with anybody that you think can get some value from it. So with that being said, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Appreciate you guys. I'll see you next week's episode. Cheers. Cheers.